message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. talk today about being connected to the source, dealing with relationships and throughout this entire month we're going to continue on the thought of relationships and over this month we have coined a phrase or a slogan that I want to give to every one of you again today and that is this, if I am not connected to the right things, I will never make it to the right places. If I'm not connected to the right things, how many knows if I'm not connected to a parachute, I'm in trouble? If I'm taking a jump and I'm not connected to a parachute, I'm in trouble. If I'm not connected to the right things, I will never make it to the right places. But you see, the tendency that we have is to see that as only being negative. I want us to see that as being positive too. For what reason? Here's the reason why. Because if I am connected to the right things, I will make it to the right places. All right, there's two people in the house today. Let me just let you into a little secret we have in this church. The quieter you are, the longer I'm going to preach. So if I'm connected to the right things, I'm going to make it to the right places. See, we've got to understand that because we can look and say, okay, I'm not connected. But then we've got to also see the flip side, the results of what happens when I am connected. And that's what we're talking about, having the right connections that are going to take you to the right places. Last week, we looked at boundaries, having boundaries in your life. Pretty important. Pretty important having boundaries in relationships on Wednesday night. Believe it or not, we have church on Wednesday. Just wanted to throw that out there. Love to see you all, 6.45. But on Wednesday, we looked from Psalms 1.1 and we looked at the three degrees of friendship. There's some friendships that are a walking friendship. There's some that are a standing. And there are others that are a sitting. There is a walking, standing and sitting And we talked about applying these things, good things, to your life. I want you to turn with me again to a great story in the Word of God. It comes from Mark chapter 2. And I just want us to read this passage this morning if we could, because once again, this is the foundational story for our series. And it says this in Mark 2, beginning in verse 1, And again Jesus entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Jesus, who was at a house, and immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. And they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried 
by four men. And when they could not enter near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where Jesus was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Let's drop down to verse 11 and 12. And Jesus said to him, I say to you, arise, take up your bed. And what happened? Immediately he rose, took up his bed, went out into the presence of them all so that they were amazed and glorified God saying, we never have seen anything like this. The story we just read today was only possible because of four friends. It was only possible because four people. The Bible doesn't tell us much about them, but really it tells us everything about them. Why? Because what do we see? That four friends, no matter the sacrifice, no matter the cost, did whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus. When they set out that day, was the main thought in their mind, we want to help him? Of course it was. We want to help him. Was the thought in their mind that day that we're going to stop for nothing? Well, obviously, it must have come up somewhere because when they got to the house and there was no room, it would have been so easy for them to say, we tried, sorry, buddy. But they looked for another entrance. And when there wasn't one, listen, they created one. So that was important. That was the thought. No matter what, we want to get him. Did they want their friend healed? Of course they wanted their friend healed. If they hadn't, they wouldn't have taken him in the first place. Are you with me today? But here's the focus. Here's the most important thing that we need to see of this story. That when they woke up that day, I believe their ultimate goal was this. We have to get our friend to Jesus. It's not just about the healing. It's not just about the indifferences and the problems and all. We have got to get him to the source. You see, there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of wounded. There's a lot of crippled people who are out there today that need to get to Jesus. But you know what? There are also a lot of people out there that seem to have it all together that have been successful in life. It looks like they're being blessed. There is a lot of people that side too that still need to get to Jesus. Why? Because I am convinced that in every one of us there is a God-shaped void that only He can fill. People search in other areas and search for other things, but there is a God-shaped void that only can be filled by Jesus. We have got to get him to Jesus. That's what they said. Can you imagine? One of them probably said, man, we tried. It's really hot. But then someone else says, no, we can't give up now. Come on. We've got to get him to Jesus. They realized if they got him to the source, the sky's the limits. You see, today, if you can get to the source, if you can get to our source, Jesus Christ, the sky's the limits, what's available for you. And I didn't just make that up. That's not something I pulled out of the sky. It's in God's Word, which is absolute truth. I know I quote this scripture a lot, but it's a good one. John 10 verse 10 tells us that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Say with me, that's not my friend. 
Come on, say it with attitude. Come on, say it with me today. That ain't my friend. That's not my friend. That's not talking about the source of life. That's talking about the person who wants to take our life. That's talking about Satan, the devil, the adversary, the one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But read on with me. Jesus says, but I have come. The thought here is, Jesus says, the only reason, the main reason, the sole purpose of me coming to this earth was to give mankind life. To give each one of us life. And Jesus didn't just say life, but he said life more abundantly. Jesus came to give you life. Do something. Take your finger, point it to your chest and poke yourself a little bit and say, Jesus came to give me life. That's how awesome Jesus is. Jesus came to give your life life. Meaning, happiness, joy, peace. Will there be hard days? Will there be tough moments? Will there be times when you don't feel on top of the world? You betcha. Because that's part of life. But remember, Jesus didn't say, I just came to give you life. He said, I've come to give you life of abundance. So what does that mean? Abundant life gives you the strength and the know-how to make it through the struggles, the hardships and the trials. Let me show you one other thing about abundance because you're not really excited about it enough today. Can I show you something else about abundance? Abundance involves Him. It involves Jesus. Hebrews 13 and verse 5 and 6 says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Aren't you glad that abundance involves Him? That you can have not only fulfillment in your life, but you can have the source of life living inside of you. Look what verse 6 says. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Come on, there's too much fear. The Bible says perfect love, Jesus Christ, casts out all fear. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What do I not need to fear? Whatever man can throw at me. Your boss may tell you tomorrow you've lost your job. You don't have to be afraid when Jesus is your source of abundance of life. The doctors may tell you you've got cancer, God forbid. But let me tell you something. You don't have to be like most men, fearful when you don't know Jesus. Because when you've got the source of life inside of you, start claiming abundance. That involves your healing. That involves your deliverance. That involves everything that you could need. It's found in Christ Jesus. That's a friend. Now that's a friend. That's the kind of friend I want to be hooked up with. That's the kind of friend I want to be connected with. One who's not leaving when times get tough. One who's not walking out when everyone else is going. But one that says, hold on a second. Let me be the peace in the midst of your storm. Let me be the comfort when you're broken and weary. But listen to this. Let me be your joy when you're happy. Jesus isn't just for bad days. He's for every day. He's for every day, every moment of every day. And what a friend Jesus is. Today, you can have a friend like that because he wants to be your friend. I want you to see something today. I I brought a really nice lamp. It was funny. I left before Kelly was still in the bedroom getting ready when I left earlier today. And she got in the office and she said, I could hear her. She said, why is my lamp here? And she recognized it straight away. But you know, there's something about a lamp, and that is this. 
When you go to a store, you've got to be attracted to a lamp. You don't just buy an ugly thing to put in your hands. But the whole idea of a lamp is this. It's not just to look good. That's part of it, and hopefully it does look good. This looks pretty good. And um, if you disagree, then talk to my wife. She bought it, not me, so it's not my fault. But what I'm saying here is, this lamp is great. But listen to me, its purpose is not to look good, but its purpose is to give light. But there's something about a lamp, and that is this. If it's not plugged in, all it can do is look good. What are you saying today? You may look good today. You may think you really look good. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you today. You may think you look good today, but it don't matter how good you look. If you ain't plugged in, honey, you ain't going to fulfill your purpose. You have got to be plugged in in order to shine. You see, if you are not connected to the source, you are never going to fulfill your purpose in life. You may say, well, pastor, I disagree. Life's going good. That's for the moment. Eternity's a long time. And you have got to realize today that God is the source. That when you plug your... Listen, you may say today, I'm not a very attractive light. You may say, I don't look good and I've got problems. But you know what happens when you plug yourself into the source? Jesus can make you all new. Jesus can make you all new. I know I'm spending more time in the intro to this message than I should, but this is important stuff. I want you to see today, God has a divine plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. I've got to give you a scripture today, and if you would, turn with me to it. Psalms 139, an incredible passage of scripture. Did I tell you it was an incredible passage of scripture? It's an incredible passage of Scripture. Psalms 139, beginning in verse 13. This is Jesus speaking of you. This is Jesus speaking about you today. Psalms 139, verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secrets and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes, God's eyes, saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they were all written for me the days that you have fashioned for me, yet as though there was none of them. Verse 17, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. What a passage of Scripture that every moment of your life, God purposed just for you. He knew you. 
He knows everything about you. And that's how much God loves you. He didn't make mankind as a whole thing. He made mankind one person at a time. Unique individuals make up the world we live in today. The desire he has. Can you see through that passage the desire God has to be plugged into your life? The desire and the purpose he has. And that's further demonstrated in John 15, verse 13. Jesus says these words, Greater love has no one than this, than would lay down one's life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. God calls you his friend. God just called you his friend. You're a friend of God. God has sent you a friend request. It's time for you to either confirm or to reject. We talked about that last week. To reject someone can be harsh at times, isn't it? Couldn't you, don't you wish there was just something kind of in between that you would kind of not reject people, but you would just kind of say to them, I kind of like you, but I don't. But you see, unfortunately, isn't that how we treat God? That I kind of want to be with you. I kind of want to serve you. I kind of want to do this. But the Bible says it's either yes or no. It's either confirm or it's reject. But Pastor Philip, I haven't told him rejection. The actions of your life will either confirm him as your friend or will reject him as your friend. Today I want to take you on a journey through God's word. We're going to begin in Genesis and we're going to go through the entirety of the Bible. Don't worry, it's not going to take us long. We're just going to read every other verse. Is that okay? (laughs) But we're going to go on a journey through God's Word. And I want to show you tonight, today, through God's Word, that when you're connected to the right source, you will go to the right places. That you will fulfill the purpose for your life. So let's start at the beginning. The beginning is always a good place to start. Showing you God's plan that he has for your life today. The plan that God has just for you. I I just want every one of you here to do something for me today, and that is this. I want you to imagine that me and you are just having a one-on-one conversation today. Because the tendency we have in church too many times is says, well, that's good, they need to hear that. I, I believe today that God wants you to hear it today. I believe God wants every one of you to hear this today, to hear the truth of God's Word. So when we look in the beginning of the Bible, and you don't have to turn there right now, we're going to have the Scriptures on the screen, but we read in the Word of God that God said, let there be, and there was. God says, let there be light. And the Bible says there was light. God said, let there be vegetation. Let there be sun, moon, stars. God spoke many, let there be's, and there was. What he spoke came into life. The heavens, the earth, the land, the seas, the creatures were all spoken into existence by the voice of God. But then God got to his prized possession. Genesis 1 verse 26 says that God says, let us make man in our own image. 
So God got to his prized possession and he wanted to make mankind, you and I, to be in his image and his likeness. We see this, that God was made, or that man was made, that he was fashioned by God, possessing the breath of God. Look at Genesis 2 verse 7 and it says this, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and mankind or man became a living being. God created man to be different from the rest of creation. God created man not to be alone, but to be connected. Say that with me, connected. Because after man was made, God looked and said these words, it is not good that man should be alone. And he made for him a wife. And there was a connection. Man was made for relationship. We were made for relationship. But we were also made different from any other creature. Because we were created with a choice. We could choose what is right and wrong. Jensen Franklin presents it this way. He says, man was created a self-determining being. Man was created a self-determining being. What does that mean? That man has a voice on the way his life will turn out. That you and I have a voice of how our life is going to turn out. But Adam and Eve weren't alone in the Garden of Eden. Enter stage left, slithers in Satan. What was his and what still is his goal? He, desi- he wanted to drive a wedge that would separate man and woman from God. From the voice of God. What does it say in Genesis 3 verse 1? Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said that you shall eat of every tree of the garden? Satan knew what God had said. Satan knows God's word. Satan knows the word of God. How do you know that? Look, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, Satan quotes the scriptures to him. He knows the word. He knows what God has destined and planned for your life. And you know what that is? He wants to destroy your life. We see this in the beginning of time. Satan knew what God had said. But if he could put doubt in mankind's mind, and he could begin to make man question God, He knew that he ultimately could separate mankind and defeat the human race. There's perhaps today no greater questions that arise than those towards God. Think about it today. All the questions that people have and the doubt that they have against God. Some of the questions that you perhaps have asked or you've heard others ask is, who is God? I mean, who made God? Where did He show up from? How could a God who created the world, how could He love someone like me? Why does He allow all of this stuff to happen? How do I know that this God stuff is the truth? Could this just be one of many ways 
to God? What if Christianity is all a lie? Do you notice every day that Satan is still driving a wedge between man and God? Doing everything within his power to what? Disconnect us from the source of life. Questions, questions, questions. Questions strategically planned and designed to keep us and make us doubt God and his ability in your life. Unfortunately, whether you have been brought up in church or perhaps this is your first time in church, I'm sure every one of us knows the end of the story. That Eve took the fruit. She saw the fruit. She ate the fruit. And she passed it on and gave it to her husband. But what was the appeal that Satan used? He said to them these words. You can be like God. He just knows that if you eat of that fruit, that you will be like him what Satan said. Can you see something here? We just read that man was made in the image and likeness of God. So mankind was already like God. Not God, but like God. But what happened? Satan deceived mankind. Adam and Eve into what? Believing themselves or seeing themselves as something against how God created them to be. That deception has continued ever since then. A deception that attacks yours, my life, everyone's life. Satan wants nothing more than to suggest the direction for your life. Nothing more than to direct or suggest the direction for your life. Deceiving you to think that you have to be somebody. That you have to be someone else in order to be what God wants you to be. I mean, look around us today. Look at the insecurities. Look at the low esteem. Look at the search that people are going into. If I could just look like this person and I could just look like that. You know, Brad Pitt said, if I could just only look like Pastor P, I would be cool. The deception there is in life today. That people are always looking and saying, if I could just be this, be this. But do you notice it's deception that Satan has been creating since the beginning of time. Deception that makes us forget our identity and what God created us to be. You need to remind yourself today that God made you unique. God made you perfect. God don't make no mistakes. Come on. God don't make mistakes. Parents can make mistakes, but God doesn't make mistakes. People can make mistakes, but God doesn't make mistakes. We're not a mistake. We're here because God designed us, destined us, and he made us in his image and his likeness. But Satan wants you to deceive you, to twist your mind, to twist your ideas, to say, I don't need God, and God's forsaken me, God's left me, and all these things that he wants to deceive us into believing. If I could look like this or be like... You know what we are facing today? We're not facing an economic crisis. We're not facing a political crisis. 
We're not facing all these other crises that we can think. I'm telling you, the biggest crisis we are facing today, put it on the screen, Tammy, is an identity crisis. It's an identity crisis. Sorry, I thought I'd put it on there. Sorry, Tammy. It's an identity crisis. Satan wants to deceive us. Deceive us. To unplug us. To disconnect us. And make us feel that we don't belong. Let's continue the story. So Satan shows up. He deceives mankind. But then God shows up. God shows up and he walks in the garden. Genesis 3, verse 8 and 9. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. In the cool of day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and he said unto them these words, Where are you? Where are you, Adam? God knew where they were at. God knows where you're at. God knows where I'm at today. He's not the one deceived, remember? We're the ones who are deceived. So God says, where are you? God comes as part of his daily routine to hang out with them, to have fun with them, because he's in relationship with mankind. But now Adam and Eve are hiding for his voice. They are hiding themselves from God. And that was the beginning almost of the end. Notice I said almost of the end. Not the end, but the beginning of almost the end. From that moment on, as we read through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, we begin to see man's heart changing and hardening against God and the way of God. Yes, God still spoke to Moses through a burning bush and he became a deliverer. Yes, he still spoke in the Ten Commandments. But notice what the children of Israel said to Moses after God had given them the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 20, verse 19, the children of Israel said to Moses, You speak with us and we will hear you. But let not God speak to us, lest we die. Moses will hear from you, but don't let God speak to us. Don't let God speak to us. A God who used to come and walk in the cool of day and talk with Adam and Eve and they loved that time together. Can you imagine hanging out with God in that capacity, walking with him, talking with him? I've said this so many times, but I always said to God, tell me again how you made that tree, God. And God would have said, I just spoke, and bam, there's the tree. And I was like, God, just do it one more time. Come on, just tell me. I mean, can you imagine the excitement and joy? But now man is saying, we don't want to hear from God. Because if we hear the voice of God, notice what they were saying, he's going to kill us. Deception, deception, deception. A voice of love now was perceived as an enemy. One who would destroy them and would take them out. This progression continued year after year. There were moments of hope, but then there was more deception. And finally God said, enough is enough. You'll read at the end of the Old Testament that the voice of God went silent. And between Malachi and Matthew, the beginning of the New Testament, there was about 400 years 
where there was no record of God ever even speaking. Silence. Silence. Until Matthew 3, verse 3, the Bible says, The word of God came to John, and John began to say, For this is he who was spoken of the prophet Isaiah, saying, He is the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. What was beginning to happen? God's voice was speaking again. Why? Because God's desire, God's design has always been to be in relationship with mankind. His desire is to be in relationship with you. John, the Gospel of John, records this in John 1, verse 1 and John 14. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh. He was prophesying of Jesus Christ who had come into this world, and the world became flesh and dwelt amongst us. We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The voice of God was back. God was back. It was not that he ever left, but man had turned his back. Didn't want him, didn't want to be a part of him. Through deception, had thought he could do it on his own. We begin to see through the life of Jesus, an incredible life, through the Gospels, that one day Jesus spoke and a storm stopped. One day Jesus spoke to a man who had been dead three days in a tomb. He called him by name. It was a good job he called him by name because if he had just said, come forth, everyone who was dead in that place would have come forth. But he said, Lazarus, come forth. And out from that tomb walked this mummy with all this stuff all over him. They had to loose him and set him free. There was such power in the voice. There was such power in the words of Jesus. Jesus spoke and people were set free. Those who were demon-possessed fell at his feet and cried out to him and said, Who are you that you would come and punish us before our time? You are the Christ. He spoke and demons left. But as he began to speak the words, thousands of people gathered around him. Why? Because they heard hope that had been lost. They realized hope had come back into the world. Hope had come back to life. Not that it was dead, but it was silent. It was dormant. It had been missing. It had been lost. People said words like this. Never has a man spoke like this. Never has there been anything. No one ever healed like this. Notice when Jesus did miracles, the Bible says that the disciples and the people around him marveled. There was amazement everywhere Jesus went. Amazement. Because hope had come back into the world. Hope for future. Hope for deliverance. Hope for life. The source of life was back on display. But man still had to make a choice. One day Jesus spoke to a fig tree. He walked by and there was leaves. Leaves meant that there should have been fruit. So when he went to eat, there was nothing there. He cursed a fig tree, walked off. The next day they came past and the disciples looked and said, hold on a second, was that not the tree he cursed? And they saw it withered up. And they were amazed by this. Isn't that amazing that sometimes we just don't seem to get it? But you see, isn't that still Satan's deceptive plan? 
Even right now, some of you are saying, that's okay for this person or that person. As Satan wants to deceive you into questioning and thinking what you have and what you need is not the truth. But the disciples said to Jesus, they asked him, what's all this about? And they were amazed. And look what Jesus says to them in Matthew 21, 21. Jesus answered and said unto them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to this fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. What does that mean? It means this. What was Jesus telling them? What is he telling us now? He was showing them that the same source of life and power now wants to live inside of you. Now wants to live inside of them that we can speak to adversities and trials. If you can turn me down, I'm really loud. If we can speak to adversities and trials and we can see all these things, what happens? We can begin to command those things through God and there's a power and a source inside of us that things can begin to happen. You see, when we step out of deception into acceptance, the sky's the limits what can take place with our life. Jesus was showing them that I'm only going to be here for a short time. But when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. But you see, what Jesus is showing every one of us is, He didn't stay here to do all the work. He left so that you and I could continue the work. But the only way we can continue the work and to live according to the purpose is to be plugged in to the source. The purpose of fulfillment in your life. Let me bring this to a close today. If you are not connected to the source, you will never fulfill your purpose. That purpose doesn't just involve your life going somewhere. But it also involves how you get there. Because Jesus says, I'll never leave you and forsake you. Jesus didn't say, I'm just waiting for you. Jesus says, I'm with you through the journey too. He's help for the journey. He's a friend through life. That means what? When I face struggles and trials in my life, Jesus isn't saying, when you get beyond them, then come and find me. Jesus is saying, let me carry you through that. Let me help you through those. See the relationship. See the love. Deception came to destroy. But Jesus came. He was God's best. Heaven's best. Sent his son for what reason? To die upon the cross for every one of us that we could have life. You see, Satan nearly succeeded. Until the cross. Until the perfect sacrifice. When Jesus died, he died to bridge the gulf. To bridge the gap that had been lost through deception and sin. That now once again we could be joined to God. That once again we could be connected to the source. The final words that Jesus cried out on the cross were this. It is finished. Tell you what those words mean. Whatever you need. Jesus said, I've paid for it in full. The words it has finished is an old accounting term that was tetelestai. 
And it would be something that would be stamped upon a debt when it was paid in full, that it would say paid in full. Jesus, when he said it is finished, he said it's paid in full. All the sin, all the loss, everything that we've been a part of in our lives, the things that we're ashamed of, the things that we've done. Jesus said it is finished. He made a way for every one of us to accept a free gift that he gave his life for. That we now could be connected back to him, connected to the source have newness of life. Abundance of life, he said. He said, I have accomplished everything that I came to do. And just after Jesus died, the Bible says the veil of the temple. They say that that veil was about six to eight inches, I believe, thick. A woven veil. A tapestry. And the Bible says that that veil that hang in the, hung in the temple separating the holies of holies where only the priest could go. And the people of God, the Bible says, was ripped from heaven to earth. It was ripped from top to bottom. Why is that so important? Because I'm telling you why. Because it shows the desire that God has. He was just waiting for that moment to, to rip that veil that once again he could have relationship. With mankind. Just waiting for that. You and I no longer have to live deceived. We no longer have to live separated, searching through life. I can be connected to the source, Jesus. The slogan again, slightly changed. If I'm not connected to the right person, Jesus, I'll never make it to the right place. Heaven. I'm not connected with Jesus. There's only one way. And He is the way. He's the truth. And He's the life. Relationships. There's none more important than your relationship with Him. Relationships around you are important. We're going to talk more about them again next week. But what's important is the difference between what's vital. If something's vital, if they show up, the paramedics show up at the scene of an accident, the first thing they check for is your vital signs. If your heart ain't beating, you're dead. It's over. It's vital, your relationship with Him. One last scripture and then I close. Mark 8, verse 36. For what will it profit a man? If he gains the whole world, yet loses his soul. You can look good all day long. But if you're not connected to the source, you are never going to fulfill your purpose. What profit is there to have it all? Everything. If I could just have this and that, no, what you need is Jesus. If I could just have this, then my life would be complete. If you don't have Jesus, you can have it all. But there's a God-shaped void that only He can fill. If you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. 
but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.